Welcome to It's Pronounced Memoir, a podcast where we read and discuss celebrity memoirs, and all you have to do is listen. It's kind of in the podcast rules, I guess. Anyway, you're welcome. My name is Wendy Ahrens, and I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Anne Immig and Marianne Olenko. Hi, Anne. Hello, or as we say, bonjour. Hi, Mariana. Hello. No foreign language from you today? Not yet. I'm still going through Rosetta Stone. On that note, let's begin. There's an industry achievement called the Triple Crown of Acting, an actor winning an Oscar, an Emmy, and a Tony. Only 24 actors hold that title. There's also an acting achievement called the EGOT, which means winning an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Today, we're talking about a woman who has accomplished both of those rarities, one of only three people in the world, and that's Viola Davis. Her memoir, Finding Me, was published April 26, 2022. It's been well-received and reviewed. It quickly became a bestseller, and it was an Oprah book club pick. I guess that's called an OBCP. I wouldn't know because my book wasn't chosen. Besides being a big fan of her film and TV work, I wanted to read this memoir because about five years ago, I saw Viola speak at the Conferences for Women in Texas. I actually saw her speak three times that year because I worked for the conferences and was also present for her appearances in Boston and Philadelphia. I thought it was Viola. It's Viola. I don't know. Okay. Note for the future, us. Learn how to pronounce (laughs) the author's name. I've always heard it pronounced as Viola, but... Okay, well, then you're probably right. I haven't heard it pronounced that much. And what do you think it's pronounced? Viola? Viola Davis? I do not hear the difference between those two pronunciations. (laughs) Well, one is being said in Texas and one is being said in Wisconsin. That must be it. It's the O. Like, I haven't... I don't hit the O. Viola. Viola. We'll be seeing my ear doctor soon so (laughs) i'll keep you all posted all right so the speech was called the hero's journey and she drew on joseph campbell's book as well as the story structure of a lonely hero taking a sudden and unplanned journey that promises danger and adventure a journey that will test their character and strengthen resolve but ultimately land them back at home it was one of if not the best speech i've ever heard In fact, the convention halls where she made her speeches were filled with 10,000 women each, but you could hear a pin drop because her story and her delivery of it were absolutely riveting. Much of what she talked about in that speech is covered even more extensively in her book, Finding Me. Before we get into that, let me ask the both of you, what did you know about Viola Davis before reading this memoir? I did watch How to Get Away with Murder and... I mean, every time I see her, I'm just completely captivated. She's the most incredible actor. I'm just watching Fences now, but that clip of her like crying and like there's snot coming out of her nose. I don't see that very often. Like crying on command is a thing, but she is unbelievable. Yes. And we're going to get into our speculation as to why she's able to do that. Mariana, what did you know about her before you read this? I don't think I've seen any of her work except How to Get Away with Murder. And that was only a few episodes because, once again, I thought it was a how-to and was really disappointed. (laughs) But I I did see some clips that you sent me, and um, 
I knew that she was very well regarded, has won many awards. But other than that, I did not know anything about her story. So that said, what was your enthusiasm quotient about the memoir before reading? Did you just go in with an open mind? As you know, I'm a very open-minded and open-hearted person. So <laughs> I was I was looking forward to it because I'm a huge Oprah book club fan and have been since the beginning. So if she recommends something, like I'm right there. And I don't know right where is, but I trust her judgment. And I was really looking forward to it. And I was not disappointed. And your enthusiasm? Yeah, I was looking forward to reading something really of substance. And it was. And um, she's unapologetic of, and rightfully so, of the successes that she's had and fought hard for. Like you said, only three people in the world have done what she's done. And she's very outspoken about how she is not compensated and has not received the offers that you would. And why is that? So I just knew that we were going to be reading somebody with a strong voice um, and an amazing journey. And it was. Yeah, I agree. It kicks off with an epigraph from Anton Chekhov. Quote, I think human beings must have faith or must look for faith. Otherwise, our life is empty, empty, unquote. George Michael also said this too, but his Sounded like got to have faith, the faith, the faith. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But it makes sense that she'd quote Chekhov, considered to be one of the greatest playwrights of all time, because her life has been one made up of drama, both literally and figuratively. She writes that she wasn't sure how to start her memoir until Will Smith, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and America's royalty, asked her, who are you? She started to tell him about her career and what she's accomplished, but he said, I'm still the 15-year-old that was rejected by the girl I loved. And then she realized that who she is is the little black girl growing up in Rhode Island, running away from the white bullies that chased her down and beat her up on an almost daily basis. She was born on a plantation in South Carolina, which I admit to being quite shocked by since she's only two years older than me. Did either of you have that reaction? And maybe it was just me being stupid and not realizing that people still live in sharecropper housing in the South. Yeah. I feel like she wrote it in a way like the reader would be surprised. So I don't think you're alone in that. Okay. When she was two, her parents moved her and her many siblings to Rhode Island because of her dad's career as a racehorse groomer. Her father, Dan, who she says became a great man in the second part of his life, was an alcoholic and a violent abuser to Viola's mother, May Alice. The family lived in condemned apartments, usually without hot water or heat, and slept with scarves tied around their necks so they wouldn't be bitten by the rats that ran around their housing. Absolutely horrific. Viola also experienced abuse, neglect, hunger, bedwetting, and brutal racism. Anybody want to reflect on this or what you remember? It was really rough to read. I just kept having to remind myself that this is somebody you know, my older sister's age, like I had to keep reminding myself this wasn't written in the 1950s. Yeah, I which is a very white, like white centric read on it. There's many people who are still having these upbringings, right? And it was all of her siblings too. She did a great job of showing the disconnect between how a teacher tries to 
and fail students who can't even begin to understand what that kid is like, their life is like. Um, and all the ways, all the different places that she interfaced with people who had no idea what it was to live the life that she and many others still live in this country. There is a moment in the book where she's in the class and she raises her hand because she has to go to the bathroom and the teacher won't call on her to let her go. So she pees in the seat. And when she comes back the next day, that urine is still there. And she has the sense of, I believe, shame that she must be so unworthy and so disgusting that even somebody whose job it is to clean up will not touch her urine. And I um, I listened to this book on audio, and it was, was very powerful to hear this majestic, powerful voice talk, read, describe her life as a child when she was so powerless. She was so traumatized. A lot of words that I don't associate with this Hollywood icon now. Mm -hmm. I thought it was very brave for her to put all of that out there. There's no reason for her to do that. A lot of famous people try to bury their past, especially something like that. And she laid it all out there. I mean, she didn't hide anything. Yes. A turning point for Viola came when she saw Cicely Tyson on their crappy TV set starring in the prime of Miss Jean Brody. She'd never seen anyone with skin as dark as hers or many leading black actresses at all until then. And that started her on a path to, quote, be somebody. She talks a lot about wanting to be somebody. And her adventure began. She and her sisters won a talent show at a local festival. And then she got involved in summer programs for kids. And her natural acting talent was immediately recognized. Thank goodness for whatever grants or foundations facilitated her ability to do that. I kept thinking that if not for the people that put on programs like that or realize how important the arts are to every kid, she never would have made it out of there. Yeah, the Upward Bound programs she talks about. Yes. Um, and specific teachers and mentors who stepped forward for her. And like, and it was just such a startling display of, again, poverty, like the little things that somebody with means would never let stop them, like an application fee, um, are complete roadblocks for somebody who they don't have any food at a certain time of the month. They don't have money to pay the electric bill, like 25 or 50 bucks is completely out of sight. It was just really illuminating. She did a really powerful job of writing all this. Yeah, I agree. And she wound up going to State College in Rhode Island and studied acting and started to gain more confidence in her abilities. So much so that she applied to Juilliard's acting school. She could only afford one application. So that's the one she chose. And of course, she was accepted. But I find it interesting that she writes about how she just knows when she nails an audition and she's going to get it. Like she's very confident and it's not an egocentric thing. She's just like, I know I went in there and I did my monologues and I wasn't surprised when I got in. Mm -hmm. She's so honest about her hardship and then just so confident about her wins and without, without ego, just laying it very out there. And, you know, the whole story about her getting into Juilliard, she talks about it's normally a four day audition process 
Well, oh, this was also what really set her apart. And she had a paying acting job at the time that she went to audition for Juilliard. And she's like, hi, I'm here. I need to audition and get to my 730 call to be on stage. Nobody does that. You go there and you audition over like three days. And it wasn't like some sort of strategy, but it did work in her favor. She just went, she told them. And based on her first monologue, it was so good that the auditor brought the whole panel that would normally be spread over four days and brought them all in to see her. She knew she did what she had to do. This is the kind of like behind the scenes memoir stuff that I think we've been looking for, for me anyway, I guess, because I'm a theater geek. I just loved all of that detail. I did too. And she is, um, Wendy, like you said, it's not egocentric, but it's factual. And she also, Mm -hmm. she doesn't say like, oh, I was such a great talent that I was discovered. I mean, she really hustles and she works so hard. And she works hard to be able to afford to live in New York and lives in not great conditions for a while. It's like I'm reading this book. I was so happy that it paid off for her, that she had that she has that success and she has the fame, which she just she says they're two different things. Right. Mm -hmm. To be an actor, and to be famous. Yeah, she seems she's that um, like an actor's actor. And forgive me if that's not how you say it, but she's so dedicated to the craft and she studied it for eight years, 10 years and doesn't have that need for approval that a lot of people in that profession have, which is what I think comes across. And again, it's not egocentric. It's just, I'm really good at this. I'm going to come and try my best. And if you want to put me in a movie or a play, please do. But she doesn't have that that neediness, I guess. Well, she um, does make herself very vulnerable and talks about her insecurities, yeah. like having to do a scene with Meryl Streep as a dream come true, but holy shit, you know, she talks a lot about imposter syndrome. So she, Mm -hmm. she's beautifully vulnerable in many points um, along the way and always like teaching in this way that is not at all condescending, just explaining, Mm -hmm. like, even when I started to make money, I was supporting like 10 other family members. And this isn't like what you hear of like, I was finally able to buy my mom a house. Like, no. It it was so much need. And somebody had to say to her, like, she could barely pay her own bills. Like, Viola, you got to take care of yourself, too. I mean, my heart just broke for her all along the way as she's like trying to make the best and bring her whole family forward and even still can hardly do it. And that was very interesting because in the beginning of her life and her childhood where they're just paralyzed by poverty you think like money would really help them and it would it would help to pay for electricity and the food and clothes all those things but then she realizes that yes money helps but it cannot solve these problems one person earning no matter how much they earn it cannot solve the problems of the extended family so let's go back to when she was studying at juilliard And she said she appreciated all of the lessons and training, but became disenchanted by the all white plays and stories they were performing. She didn't see herself represented. I think she said there were only maybe three other black students, very few. Um, But then she later gets the opportunity to study in Gambia. And that experience of being immersed in the African culture really changed her in many deep ways. I don't know if either of you have seen her movie, The Woman King. But I would think that made me think of immediately of her in 
her influence in college probably led to her being interested in making that film. It's really great. Having been a college theater major and like, you know, not a Juilliard, but like in that world, I just remember how white it was and how when a director would make a different casting choice, it was like this novelty, like, oh, he's blind casting. You know, these master students who get into a program and they're like, like Viola lays out so well. It's either, you know, the best friend or the drug addled, like her, the roles mm-hmm. were few and far between. Right. Right. And even then, especially because of colorism, she was so dark. She did, you know, the people who get hired in Hollywood for the, even for the roles of color often have features that are super Caucasian looking and just at every turn. She yeah, was she was told she, wasn't, yeah. told she wasn't as pretty as Carrie Washington. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is awful. Yeah, I found the colorism topic really interesting. Mm-hmm. And recently on an airplane watched Eat, Pray, Love for the first time in many years and actually gasped when I saw that Viola played Julia Roberts' editor. Like I had forgotten that everybody gets their start, but she was the Black best friend and, you know, she's not given those roles or has Mm -hmm. to take those roles anymore. So it was quite shocking to see that. She's been in a ton of movies in those roles where now looking back, it's really shocking. Like, oh my God, that's Davis, like yeah, playing right. the secretary or whatever. It's completely yeah, what shocking. Yeah, what she doing that? Looking back. Yeah, she, she started her big theatrical career in an August Wilson play, which makes sense because that was, you know, the world she knew and the writing she knew and wound up getting a nomination for a Tony Award in the first major play she was in. But what really got her uh, noticed was the coveted role in the movie Doubt in 2008. She had only one scene, about seven minutes long, but it was with Meryl Streep, which we've talked about. Can you imagine? No. I can't. Um, And yes, Mariana, you do look like her. I thought that when I was watching the clip. Um, (laughs) Thank you. it's, it's, It's an emotional scene where we see Viola plumb the depths of emotions and trauma, and her performance is electrifying. She goes from one emotion to the next. She totally outshines Meryl Streep, and I'm sure Meryl Streep would agree. I mean... Not that it's a competition, but you can't take your eyes off her in this. You can't. And she won an Oscar absolutely. nomination for that one. Her yeah. first, absolutely. And uh, I read that when Viola got her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, it was presented to her by Meryl, mm, which I thought was that's nice. Really beautiful. I wonder if Mer- wonder if Meryl has one. Oh, she'll get her moment. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling. And Viola says such nice things about Meryl, too. Yeah, she really does. About very so gracious. many actors. I love the way she handled the help, talking about yeah. the help. And she's like acknowledging the controversy and talking about why she took the role, how much she enjoyed the cast, enjoyed each other, each and every one of them. She was talking about how even the people who played smaller roles or extras, like they were such fine actors. And I love it when somebody like a Broadway actor talks about like theater is theater and you can experience amazing actors on the Broadway stage or in a community theater. And she did sort of did that when she talked about that time. Uh, Part of this book is talking about racism and trauma and white supremacy really in Hollywood and theater. But then she's also really nuanced about it. It talks about a lot of shades of gray that I really appreciated and her relationships with actors was another one of those like wonderful behind the scenes elements that we wouldn't know if she didn't write this book. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. 
one of the reasons I was so interested in reading celebrity memoirs in general is because I want the behind the scenes gossip and the stuff that we don't know just being fans or, you know, non-celebrity people. And I have to say, I got such a kick out of that George Clooney inviting her oh, and I know. her husband Gosh. for the honeymoon. My God, I like him so much more now. And I already oh. really liked him. So good going, George. That also brings into light the vast wealth differential among people we just assume are all really wealthy. Like her description of his villa with like Lake Como, right? A whole staff, these huge meals that they custom prepare based on whatever you want to eat, room after room after room. She and her husband went and looked at each room to pick which one they wanted to stay in. And it George Clooney takes the most modest, smallest room. Like, it was so unbelievable. I love the part where she said she and her husband would get dressed and sit on the edge of the bed and wait for the um, house people to ring the bell so they could run down and eat. I love that, too. <laughs> you picture them like the kids in from the mix-up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, like living in, <laughs> in the museum after hours. That's that's like what it felt like to me. Yes, but it's like kids on vacation and it was their honeymoon it was such a lovely scene it was a really nice passage well let's talk about the incredible performance she won an oscar for and that was the movie fences also an august wilson play with denzel washington who is probably one of my top five actors ever i love denzel uh and she was very emotional in that movie. Very, uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Anne, you started watching yeah, it. Yeah, last night. Yeah, Mariana, did you watch it? No, I have not seen it. She's, again, riveting, like all the words we've said before. She's just incredible. Um, and, you know, we've talked about how she has a reputation for being able to cry almost on cue or at will. And in doubt, she literally pushes out one tear at a time, which is just incredible so where do you think you know I, I this is probably simplifying it but now that I know her horrific childhood is she calling on that to bring up I don't know it, it just it seems yes. like there's some magical force within her I think she doing. talks about it it was a way to channel everything she's been through and had to process in her life and she talks about um a pivotal breakthrough. She couldn't get into a scene. And I, I, I can't remember which part of the book, but like definitely calling on her childhood self. But what I also love about her is, first of all, it's not just the one tier, like where the actor is making sure she still looks really pretty. She lets the emotion overwhelm her, where she is completely yeah. not There's self-conscious. Mucus. Yes. There's mucus. And mm-hmm. she... What makes her so interesting is she finds joy and laughter, like watching Fences, her brilliant line readings where she is laughing and like the the dynamic between this husband and wife who've been together for 18 years. And it's so real, like beneath the dialogue, they're sharing, they're remembering a time together and cracking up. She's just totally captivating. Viola writes about the bad boyfriend she had for quite a few years. But then after she's in her 30s, she's propelled to pray to God to send her a man. She actually gives God a list of what she's looking for. And not long after that, she meets Julius when they're filming a TV show together and they soon get married. 
I honestly didn't know God was that efficient. So I might have to take up praying for things with my list. And also shout out to Austin, Texas, where I live and where Julius is from. Later, they adopt their daughter, Genesis, who is completely adorable based on what I've seen on Instagram. And it seems that she has her happy ending to the hero's journey. She has her triumphant return home. Uh, Viola has gone on to star in her own TV show, How to Get Away with Murder. And she writes about that process, which I found very interesting, and how she made sure Shonda Rhimes wrote her as a real woman, flaws and all. Well, I love the detail of her insisting that the writers, in the first episode, she takes off her wig. And I remember watching that and my jaw kind of dropped because again, she is so gorgeous in that role. Sexy, gorgeous, beautiful, all the words. And then she takes off her wig and she looks, you know, just like more of a everyday woman. And that was so important to her. She's very aware of the community that was going to be watching her and how she was so tired of these really oversimplified depictions that do not translate to black audiences. And so she, that was her move. And there's obviously so many more of them. But, um, and I didn't watch the entire series, but I did watch, I think, two seasons. Um, and she was unbelievable. She received an Emmy Award for that show and was the first woman of color to win in the Best Actress category in 2020 or whenever that was. I mean, kind of mind blowing that it took that long. But uh, anyway, I have a um, question. Mm -hmm. Was anybody else so pissed at that friend who was like, everybody's asking why you're the one to get that role. Like people are all saying <laughs> that you shouldn't get that role. Like, is that the friend that said, Oh, I heard them say Carrie Washington's prettier than you are. Something like probably that. the same friend. I hope so. Otherwise she's got <laughs> shitty friends. Yeah. But, I think friend may be a strong word, friend. but most recently Viola has been seen in the woman King as we discussed, which I believe she also produced because she and her husband formed their own production company. And she was in the movie Air, playing Michael Jordan's mother, and is the standout in that movie. Like she is, she was amazing. She yeah, was so great. And Michael Jordan should send her a whole boatload of Air Jordan stuff as a thank you. Does <laughs> um, she want that? I don't know, but she was. She really didn't start her film career until she was forty-two ish. I think mm. that would have been doubt. Yeah, I the have big this. roles. The bigger roles. I feel like she has this ability, both in her writing and on the screen, of helping audiences understand why people make the decisions they do that on paper look like, how could someone ever, whether it's playing Michael Jordan's mom and the way she negotiated her ass off and was, it was scary. Like you thought you can lose that deal, right? And she knew what she was mm -hmm. doing. Um, and I have to say, that, that crappy boyfriend of seven years who broke her heart. I was absolutely thinking about that in the scene in Fences um, where Denzel Washington, spoiler, sorry, Mariana, has been unfaithful. Um, what? I know. Yeah. Sorry. You're going to have to go back to 2000 and whatever <laughs> to see it fresh. But it was neat having read the book and knowing a bit about her past. Like I could see exactly where she was relating to this long relationship that you thought was one thing and you've given much of your life and then the betrayal. I saw the clip of doubt that Wendy, that you shared with us 
I think she translates emotions in a way that makes them accessible to people who have not lived through that situation. Because I'm I'm not a big movie buff. And one of my problems, one of my many problems, is that I never believe what I see. Like I can never understand why the couple is in love and et cetera. But it, that short clip, I think it was seven minutes with Meryl, um, other than being completely horrified by Meryl's outfit. The bonnet, nun, specifically. Yes. The yeah, bonnet. she I mean, was a nun. She was a nun. But she wasn't a nun in the 1700s. I mean, I think there's some <laughs> more fashionable nuns now. But oh, that's not the point. But Viola's performance, it just, I didn't think I was watching an actor. I thought I was watching a mother. Yeah. Do you think that comes out of the theater training, Anne, that she's used to performing in front of people? So it's even more. I mean, authentic? sometimes that can be um, a real problem on screen because uh, people with theater training will overact. They're playing to the room instead of to the c- camera. Mm-hmm. I think that there's nothing that Viola does that we can attribute to one thing because she's so breathtakingly, uniquely talented, but definitely years of stage acting, I think it really speaks to how much she invests in her character development and her craft. I mean, and on top of all her talent, like she knows she does the work of knowing where the character is coming from and why. And that was one of the scenes where she was talking to the director. And instead of, you know, she's saying why, you know, when people say why, how could a mother leave her son in that decision? And she was wrestling with that as the actor. And the answer was she doesn't have a choice. So you have to remember, play the role that she doesn't have a choice. Do you remember she said she went and wrote a hundred pages about yeah. why this woman did what she did, trying to understand yes. her hundred pages for a seven minute role. That's exactly it, what we're talking mm-hmm. about is like mm-hmm. that level of dedication to craft. Um, and you can tell her like small quips she makes about celebrity now and, actors and you know do not pay their respects to craft in that way and that's why when she talks about these movies that she's loved doing the actors that she's loved being around they're all people who do and she feels like that's when she's around her people yeah it's crazy when you think that some idiot that does pranks on youtube can be a movie actor Mm -hmm. and so can viola davis you know it's very odd and i have such respect for her i always have but now that i know all of the work. I didn't know all of the Juilliard part. That yeah. really is amazing. And she I could just, have been, she could have gotten a, a, a medical degree in that time. She what do you mean? Going to school for eight years. Oh, you know, yeah. you, you don't think of actors studying for that long. Well, I mean, she did so many plays that learning on the job part too. It would not surprise anyone to see her back on Broadway. I would love to see her on Broadway. Oh, gosh. I'm going if she's ever back yeah. on Broadway. But yeah. like what you're saying, Marianne, about the range of emotion and the nuance. And there's, she's so specific in that you understand so much in between the words. I wonder how many takes she did, too. I bet she could probably do 10 and each one bring that back again. Not like a one and done type of actress. She even said something about the takes, how... In plays, you get rehearsal and you just got to bring it and do it right here and now when it's on film. And she was Mm -hmm. nervous because she did the Broadway show of Fences with almost the same um, cast. She wasn't a mother yet. 
And she said there was this one moment that she never felt like she got right. And this is like what I love about these little details and such an accomplished actor saying like, I never got that right. But then when they did the film, she was a mother herself and she figured it out. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you to reflect on her hero's journey, or as she calls it, sometimes a call to adventure. And that seems to be the uh, ruling motto of her life for her, you know, what she lives by is she's called to adventure and she's the hero getting past all of the adversity and emerging triumphant at the end. And did that work for you in this? Do you see that? Was the theme carried out? Very much so. When I started, I knew that she had a Grammy for the audiobook. And I wondered, like, how do you get a Grammy for that? You're just reading. And then when I listened to the audiobook, I'm like, okay, now I understand. It was That's just how her speech was. Yeah. It was a gift. It was just what a gift. In the book, she talks about several periods of profound depression. And the way she describes it is not something I would ever want to live through. But at some point, she writes, she says that the point of life is to live. And when I heard that, I just felt it throughout my body. And I felt how she was able to, in a a sense, recreate her life and live. And it's almost as simple as and as complicated as that. Um, Yeah. And I was really grateful that I was able to experience this book. Good. And that leads me to the question of how some of her family members, including her youngest sister, who she doted on, didn't fare as well as she had. There was drug addiction and abuse and the the generational poverty never left. So what was it about Viola that she escaped that fate? I mean, she, yes, she's incredibly talented, but was it her push just to continue acting because she loved it so much? Or was she just, I don't, I don't want to say it was lucky because she had some breaks and there were opportunities, but I wouldn't just chalk it up to luck. So was it just an internal determination? I have a maybe an unpopular response to this, but I I think she's not an alcoholic and I think she's not a drug addict and why she was spared when some of her family members weren't from that horror. I don't know. What are the odds that any one of them would get out? It's so hard to get out when, when you have nothing, not eating your whole childhood greatly affects the way your brain develops all the trauma that they experience, it's much more likely that no one will get out. So I think that's what I took from it. And that, of course, I give her tremendous credit. And she has other siblings who've gotten out, so to speak, as well. But to me, it, that's not a surprise at all that most people won't get out. Um, and I just wanted to answer your last question, Wendy, even though you skipped over me. Um, and we can talk about that <laughs> off off the pod. <laughs> um, yes, but the hero's journey that I was really drawn to, she talks about one of her first therapists and she, she felt so determined because of this younger kid that you brought up with the Will Smith conversation that was running from the bullies always. And her therapist asked, you know, can you hug her? Can you let her hug you, this little girl within you? Can you let mm-hmm. her be excited about the 53 year old she's going to become? 
can you allow her to squeal with delight at that? And at the that time, she couldn't. She It was like a huge shift. In, but I think her healing of herself and embracing that little girl who did survive, who did all that, who ran, who ran and ran and ran just so Viola could be the 50-year-old, however old she is, woman success that she is today. That was a big part of the hero's journey for me that I felt was so moving about letting our younger selves, like honoring them by letting them enjoy the life we have today. I thought that was really cool. That's great. That's I'm that glad you really nice. yeah. called that out. Yeah. I, I didn't remember the therapist thing until you just mentioned it. That's great. Um, I'm a little depressed because I think all the other memoirs we read after this are going to suck. They might. Jeez. They might. The quality of writing in this memoir, because not only does she not mention anybody in the acknowledgments, she doesn't have acknowledgments, which is kind of a baller move. Mm -hmm. um, but that made me think that maybe she didn't have a ghostwriter, but maybe she did. Oh, um, I Googled the shit out of that, whether yeah. she has a ghostwriter, and I don't think she did. I wow. so hear her voice when I was even yes. reading it. Me and too, but it was on audio, so maybe that's... <laughs> well, there were a couple of times where I had to like the syntax was strange and that made me think like not a professional writer. Yeah, there are a couple of sentences where I was thinking like a, a writer who was being surgical wouldn't have had this word in here twice or, you know, that sort of thing, yes. which again made me think maybe she wrote it herself, but it's, it's so authentically her. So if there was a ghostwriter, good job, you are truly a ghost. Yeah. And uh, you let her shine through this. So, um, yeah, I, 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 get, I agree. This is going to be a hard one to top. Far and away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great pick. Great work. Don't yeah, take our you. monotone voices. <laughs> it's Friday afternoon. Our work. I'm not I a trained it. actor, so I really cannot <laughs> convey my emotions about the excitement I feel right now. <laughs> well, I would recommend to our listeners, A, to read this book, but also either before or after reading or listening to it, that you do a little dive into Viola's work because it's just incredible. And if you only know her from the help go watch Fences, go watch Doubt, or even The Woman King, because you will really want to know her after reading the book. I agree. And I will watch her movies. Okay. Good news, Viola. <laughs> <laughs> Mariana's got yep. it. Mariana, God, is it Viola or is it Viola? Is it Mariana? Is it Mariana? It's Weendy, by the way. Weendy. <laughs> Weendy and on. I minus pronounced on. That's Delby. who we should read next is Anna Delby. Now you mind me. Oh, that, that would be a really uh, smooth transition after this. Yes. Be like yes. falling off a cliff. Well, um, thank you to everybody for listening. We hope you. <laughs> thanks, <enjoyed>. Mom. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed hearing our thoughts on Viola's Finding Me, and we will be back with another celebrity memoir soon. Thank Bye, you. everyone. Bye. 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 That was good.